welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, your word goes like a two-edged sword. It's powerful. We honour your word this day, Lord. Lord, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And we pray this day that your word would, Lord, transform lives today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in me and that you are speaking through me. I thank you, Lord, today that it's spirit-to-spirit communication right across this place. Let the fire of your spirit burn brightly today, I ask, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we just agree with you today that your desire is to revive the hearts of your people and to set us on fire. And we pray, Lord, do that afresh today in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How are you all today, by the way? Good? That's good, good, good. Don't let the fire go out, church. Don't let the fire go out. All right. Now, after six days, whenever I see the number six, my antennas go up because I know it's the number of the flesh. It's the number of striving. It's the number of going round and round and round in circles. It's a number of coming to the end of your own abilities and strength. And God knows that we've all come to that place. We've tried it our way and it hasn't worked. And we're saying, God, more of your spirit and less of our flesh. God, I don't have what it takes to do what you've called me to do. Is anyone else like that? So after six days, God is about, Jesus is about to do something. And he takes Peter James, his brother, and John. So Peter, James, and John, his brother. And he leads them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he's transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I love this passage of Scripture. After six days, uh, Jesus gets James, Peter, and John, and he leads them up on this high mountain. Down below there's carnage, there's unbelief, there's failure and discouragement and all the things that try to attach themselves to our life. Disappointment, questions. It's all going on around them down in the valley. The disciples are trying to cast out demons. They're failing. And amongst this, Jesus grabs three men who have lived too long in the flesh and says, come on up with me. And I'm about to show you what you can become. I'm about to show you what is actually inside the church. Is anyone excited about that? You can talk back if you like. Don't be like those people down in the valley this morning. I love this. He takes Peter, James and John. I call them Mr. Soul, Mr. Spirit, Mr. Body. He takes the three dimensions of man. He says, I'm going to lift up your spirit, soul and body. I'm going to take you out of a fleshly dimension and I'm going to lift you up into my dimension. It's really amazing what God is doing in this passage of Scripture. And I thought about that, going up to the mountain, leaving behind the flesh. And as I was praying about this Scripture and meditating and stirring my heart up this week, I felt the Holy Spirit say to to me to tell you today this phrase, my people are far too easily satisfied. Should I say it again? 
Tell my people that they are far too easily satisfied. And try it over this side. Tell my people that they are far too easily satisfied. I'll try it over this side. Maybe get more response. Tell my people they are far too easily satisfied. I'm proving my point. Tell my people they are far too easily satisfied. You're right, Lord. We can go from his good to his acceptable or the perfect will of God. You can, and I'm seeing this all around the world in the church. There's the good, there's the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. There's 30, 60, 100 fold. There's good Christian living, accepting Jesus into your life. And I don't demean that. And you're born again, you love Jesus, and you go to church, you read your Bible. That's the good will of God. But I tell you what, there's something down on this end called the perfect will of God, where you are saturated in the Holy Ghost, where you're on fire for Jesus, where you are a living, breathing, walking epistle. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's always, always more. And I felt the Lord say to me, tell my people, if it appears that I have stopped moving amongst them, it's because my people have stopped demanding that I move. If it appears that I have stopped moving, the problem's not on my case. It's not on my side. It's because you've stopped demanding that I move. You've learnt to live without a move of God, so you will have such. But when you get into a place where you say, God, I've got to get up on that mountain. What we're doing down here is not working, Lord. I've got to come with you. I've got to see you as you have designed me to be. When that desperation gets in your heart, Everything shifts. You know, it's, it's, I, I was thinking about John 5, about the crowd of people, the picture of the church, who would wait all year for the stirring of the water, for the angel to come and initiate something. And God, Jesus comes saying, you don't need to wait for a, 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 a miracle. And I see miracle in the church. And, you know, and it's almost like, oh, my goodness, did you hear? God actually showed up. There was a miracle today. Okay, we document that one and then come back in a year, we might get another one. You don't need to wait for that. God's saying, I am here right now. You just need to put a demand on me. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's the call of nature for something that I don't yet possess. And we say, God, lead us up on the mountain. Lead us up that mountain. We've been here for six days and we realize that there's got to be more to church than what it is now. See, numbers don't matter to God. In fact, you can have a church of 10,000 people and not have what God designs the church. What God is looking is for one man or one woman, 10 men or 10 women, 10, 100 of each, whatever it might be, of people that are saying, God, lead us up to the mountain. God, we're hungry for more. He found 120 people. On the day of Pentecost, it started with 500 and whittled down to 120. But they were so hungry. 
And, and it's, like, it's, it's, it's like the call of Moses when the children of Israel, who had been under bondage and slavery for so long, when they began to utter the cry of the heart. There's one thing to have hunger in your heart, but it's another thing when you begin to verbalize the hunger in your heart. And that's what God listens for. He listens for it in our worship, whether it's, oh, Jesus, and, and it's, it's sweet worship, or whether there's the depth of hunger that says, God, I've got to encounter you. That's what the Spirit of God listens for. There's a change in the language of God's people where they begin to articulate the hunger that's in their heart. And every week when I come to church, that's what I'm listening for. I'm saying God has something shifted in our church where we are beginning to articulate the deep cry of our heart. So Jesus took Peter, James, and John and said, I want men and women that encounter me in their spirit, in their soul, in their body, that gets absolutely transformed and saturated in every area of their life. That's the sort of man and woman I'm after. And he leads us up. That's what he's calling us right now to do. We sang about it today. Calibrate me. What does that mean? Calibrate me. Saturate me. Jesus is saying, I am right now birthing a fresh hunger in the church that's going to transform us, not just in our spirit, so we're born again, but it's going to transform our soul the way we think and feel and choose. It's going to transform our body so we become living examples of carrying the tangible presence of God in our physical body. That's what he's after. Now turn with me to Acts 20, because this is where he took me next. On the first day of the week, verse 7, the disciples came together to break bread and Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message till midnight. You think I preach long. Isn't it interesting though? You shouted me down on that one. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. So Paul is he's here, and it says he's in the upper room. In fact, it was a three-level building. It was a, th- a three-story building. They're up the top level, and there's lamps ablaze in the top level. So as you begin to read this story, you see what's happening. The apostolic mantle has come. Paul's imparting to the church. There is much revelation. The lamps are burning. The fire of God is at work. Can you see that here? And he's preaching. They're in the upper room. He's connecting at a spirit level. He's imparting spiritually to them. He's up at the third floor. There's a ministry of the spirit happening. And it says, and there was a wind in the window. That word window means a portal or the entrance to the prophetic. There sat a young man called Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. That word is hypnos, which means a spirit. spiritual torpor or inactivity, apathy. He was sinking into spiritual apathy. Paul the Apostle is preaching. He's ministering from the Spirit to the Spirit of of, of the church. There is revelation flowing. There are prophetic portals opening. God is moving. And in the midst of that, there are men and women falling asleep. As I read that, I was amazed because 
he falls down out of the window and he hits the bottom and he dies. And I felt the Lord say, the church is dozing off in the realm of the spirit. And they're falling to their death on the first floor. When we embrace a doctrine of demons, so he's sitting in the window. And if you're asleep in the window, you'll embrace not the things of the spirit, but the things of the demonic. And what I mean by that is not that people are demonized, but they begin to embrace doctrines of demons of unbelief, of discouragement, of disappointment of apathy and he's asleep in this window and the fire of God is all around him and then there's people sitting there embracing, going to sleep, they're embracing doctrines of demons and falling down to the first floor. And what God showed me is that right across the body, there are people that were born to live in the spirit that are dying at the first floor. They're hitting the bottom floor. And that's the realm of the flesh. They're sick in their bodies. They're 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 uh, and I saw that as Catherine came, the number of believers, and this is, this is not saying if you're sick that this is your case, but there are so many believers that are embracing a powerless gospel and they don't know how to get free. And even in this nation, there's a doctrine of demons that is coming about that, 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 that encourages people to embrace your sickness as some sort of badge of honor. We are no longer hearing the power of the gospel. We are no longer hearing that Jesus died for our sicknesses and disease in the equal manner that he died for our sins. And so we've got to be so careful that we don't doze off in this manner. And, and God has called us to this higher level. It's going up to the mountain with Jesus, seeing his power and his splendor. And here's Paul preaching, anointed by the Holy Spirit, fire of the Holy Spirit, revelation flowing. And in the midst of that, there are people sitting in his congregation that are falling asleep and embracing doctrines of demons. Are you hearing me? And maybe you're here today and you've been coming to church week after week after week. You've seen God move. You've seen revelation flow, but you're dozing off. And God's saying, it's time to awaken. It's time to awaken. But the wonderful thing about this scripture is that Paul goes down and he embraces this dead boy on the first floor. And he comes back to life and he goes back to the third level. And I felt God say to me that he's sending men and women from the third floor down to believers that are living on the first floor, that are bound in sickness and disease. And their miracle on the first floor is going to pull them back up to the third floor. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. They're going to have such encounters. Why? Because Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves people on every level. He loves the, the baby. He loves the one that are mature in the Lord. And he's not leaving any behind. He's coming after those that have disengaged themselves from the, from the Spirit. And he's sending men and women that know how to live on the third floor, that know how to live in the life of the Spirit, that are saturated in his presence, that pray in the Spirit day after day, that know their God and, and know that he does mighty exploits. And they are the ones that are going to go after those on the first floor and lay hands on them and something's going to happen. Not only will they get their physical healing, but God's going to shift the desires of their heart. They're going to encounter God in such a powerful way that he's going to propel them up to the third floor. Are you hearing me? And so church, we have a mandate from God, not of superiority. There's no such thing as remnant people or special people. We say we're forerunners, but... 
But forerunning spirit merely means that you've seen what God wants to do and you call the rest of the church to join you. You're never out on your own. You're calling people with you. And so we have a mandate that if God gives us a glimpse of the Spirit, God begins to reveal His heart for us. We have a duty and a calling from God to call people to come with us, to begin to announce to the church that this is the day, this is the hour where God wants to move. You have a calling, church. Amen? Now, after six days, we're back, I'm going back again to Matthew 17. Peter ta- Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he leads them up on the mountain by themselves. And he's transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I love this. The unifying of the nature of God and man is Jesus' crowning achievement, where God and man become one. And this is what we see in Jesus. This is not Jesus showing off. This is Jesus showing you today what is inside you. Jesus opens himself up and he says, have a look at who man is. Have a look at what happens when man and God become united, spirit, soul, and body. This is what takes place. This is what it looks like to live on the mountaintop. I'm telling you, church, there's so much more. We've only scraped the surface of what God has. I want to whet your appetite. I want to stir your spirit. I want to say to you, there is way, way, way more than what you and I have experienced. There is an alignment coming, not just with the body of Christ and Jesus, where the church and Jesus become one, but there's alignment coming within us, where everything within us is going to come into alignment, spirit, soul, and body. And I sense the heart of God towards people, and you're bound in your soul. You're bound and tormented by thoughts, the power of God is coming to align you like Jesus was aligned, like Peter, James and John, pictures of the spirit, soul and body. The fire of God is coming to deliver people from addictions in their body, from torment in their soul, from bondages in their spirit. Amen. And if that's you today, the power of God is here to set you free. The unveiling of the body of Christ in all its glory. As I look at this, I see spiritual substance. Jesus at the transfiguration is demonstrating the capacity of the nature of man to receive God into our being and then manifest it out. See, when the power of God, the glory of God that resided in Jesus... Because it was in him, it began to manifest out. He gave them a physical demonstration of the glory of God leaking out of mankind. And that's real Christianity. It's not coming to church with a Bible under your arm. It's possessing the nature and the substance of Jesus himself in me. Do I say that again? Real Christianity is not coming to church with your Bible. It's not singing a few nice songs. It's understanding that I am a possessor of the nature and the substance of Jesus himself. I carry that in me. I am full of the presence of Jesus, spirit, soul, and body. And so are you. The spirit of God is a tangible substance. It's a spiritual substance that is received through our spirit into our soul and manifested through our body. 
God breathes in mankind. He breathes in Adam and he became a living soul. Jesus breathed on the, on the disciples and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When you come in contact with God, he breathes his very life into you. And his life comes into you and you are filled with the tangible substance of God. And God is wanting his church to become aware again that you carry the tangible presence of God. And he wants that loose, not just in your spirit, but loose the tangible presence of God on your soul. I'm becoming so aware, God, transform my mind. I loose the power, the presence, the tangible presence of God into my soul. Some of us need a good dose of that in our soul. It get rid of all the rejection and, and the need to be noticed. We all have that in our heart. Loose the presence of God. Shift me. Change me, God. Calibrate me into my body, Lord. Hubba hubba. Just close your eyes for a minute. Imagine, think, ponder, receive the tangible presence of God in your spirit, receiving divine flow and communication, exchanging love at the deepest level, being understood and understanding, voicing the deepest cries of your heart. The tangible presence of God comes deep into your spirit and begins to manifest himself through your spirit to people around you, through your spirit to your soul and body. You carry the tangible presence of God in your spirit. And this is what Peter, James, and John began to see as their eyes were opened. They saw the tangible presence of God going through Jesus' soul, his spirit, and his body. Open your eyes. It's interesting to note that Luke says that when this began to happen, the disciples were all asleep. It's the same word used in Acts that I read to you about the Eutychus sitting on the window ledge. The same spiritual uh, blanket was over their life and they awoke to see Jesus as he truly was. And God is awakening the church to see who we truly are. You Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? The devil's soul is a lie. When you get powerful enough, when you get this enough, when you get that enough, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church which is the body of Christ. What we see take place in the body of Jesus is the church. Ephesians, the church which is the body of Christ. To be filled with the fullness of God. Jesus was unveiling in his body what it looks like when the church comes together. He was unveiling what it looks like in your life. You carry the presence of God. Think about God in your soul. Close your eyes again. What will I now choose and think and feel? My emotions are moved by the substance, his substance in my soul. His substance causes me to think different. Causes me to think like a dominator over all the enemy's lies and schemes. His substance training my will to be fluid and teachable, forgiving, releasing, submitting, dependable, strengthened. Lord, we'd loose the substance of the life 
of Jesus into our soul. No longer will we struggle trying to control our soul, but we lose the presence and the life and the substance of Jesus into our soul, never to be the same again. Transform our spirit. Transform our soul. Now, Lord, transform our body. God living in my fleshly body, vibrating life within me. Oh, Lord, we thank you for a living temple of the Spirit, touching and releasing life wherever I go, so conscious that the tangible presence of God has quickened my mortal body. We thank you for that today, Lord, that your life pulsates through our bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Open your eyes. Paul received so much of God in his body that it says that handkerchiefs were taken from his body, impregnated with the very life of God. See, we don't realize what we carry within us. Our body, our bodies are the dwelling place of the Spirit. And when, when handkerchiefs came in contact with Paul, they were taken from his body and the sick were healed. You know, I was reading about John G. Lake and he would get thousands and thousands of, uh, of, of uh, letters that he would write or, or newspapers that he would write in, to encourage the body of Christ. He would write on divine healing and deliverance. So they're like a newsletter that he would send out in 10,000 lots, lots of 10,000. And he would bring them to his church and they would divide them into lots of 100 or 200 and he would look across the congregation and call out people that he really believed understood the power of the living God within them. And they would come out and they would begin to pray over these newsletters. And they wouldn't just pray that the very words would come alive in the hearts of people, but they prayed over these newsletters that the very newsletter, the very piece of paper, would be impregnated with the power of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> he received thousands and thousands of responses of people absolutely delivered and healed when they received this newsletter. One lady wrote this letter. She said, I received your paper. And when I received it into my hands, my body began to vibrate so much, I could hardly sit in my chair and I did not understand it. So I laid the paper down. And after a while, I took it up again. And as soon as I had the paper in my hand, I began to shake again. So I laid the paper down, and then I took it up again. <clears throat> and in the then the Spirit of God came upon me so powerfully that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. That is when a man and a woman is full of the fullness of God. And church, that's the era that God's invited us to be and to dwell in. <clears throat> We have our own little example. We pray for many more, but you remember Maria, who came through our care arm and got baptized here. That someone prayed over a prayer cloth and gave it to Maria. And she went to, um, to court to, to go, go. There was a case concerning her family. And Maria couldn't speak very well. She was, her English was poor and broken. And she got up on the stand to defend herself. She had no lawyer to do that. And uh, as she took the stand, she began to. To, to get nervous and she couldn't speak properly. And she remembered that she had a prayer cloth in her bag and she had a bag with her. So she reached into her bag and pulled out the prayer cloth in court 
And as she did that, the power of God came upon her and she spoke in perfect English. She represented herself. She won the case. The judge was amazed and she sat down. From, from my recollection of the story, as she sat down, she went back to speaking in her broken English again. That's the power of the tangible presence of God that you and I carry. And this is the life that God's calling us to be, that we be filled with the fullness of God, the church which is his body. And we see his body on the Mount Transfiguration, saturated spirit, soul and body with the very glory of God. And that's you. That's you. Are you hearing me? Acts 3.6, Paul and uh, Peter and John, full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Spirit, coming out from the day of Pentecost, fire on their heads, wind in their hearts, just, just full Full to the brim of the Holy Spirit, spirit, soul, and body. And they come to the gate, beautiful, and they see this man that's, that's uh, a crippled and he's begging for money. And they say to him, we used to sing this song before the offering. It was a great song to sing. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I, have, such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They're saying to him, not saying that we didn't have any money, that we're all poor, but we don't have, what we don't want to give to you is a substance that's going to deplete once you use it. But we've got a heavenly substance that we can give you that will live on and on and on. And what we don't have is silver and gold, but we do have something. We've got the substance of Jesus Christ in us. And church, you need to realize today that you have substance. We're in a world with no substance. Everything they touch depletes. They buy a new car and it's good for a day, then it just, just the, the thrill's gone. They have sex with somebody, the thrill's gone after a while. We try this, they try that. There's no substance in this world because the world without the life of Jesus has no substance. But you have substance. You have the life of Jesus. And I tell you what, we need to understand what the world needs is the substance that you carry. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have is the substance of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And something was transferred from Peter and John to this crippled man, and he was delivered. The life of God came into his mortal flesh. God has always sought to dwell, to find a habitation. And in Jesus, he found one person that he could abide in. He says, I can rest on you. I can remain on you. The baptism of Jordan, the Spirit of God comes down like a dove and remains on the body of Jesus. He carries him wherever he goes. In fact, he has so much power, he can release authority to his disciples. He has all power and authority. And the Spirit of God remains, it abides on the life of Jesus, the church, which is his body. Do you get that? The Spirit of God remained on Jesus. And we are the church, which is his body. We are his body. The Spirit of God has found a place to dwell in. It's always been God's intention that he would dwell in mankind, that mankind, you and I, would become as holy and desirable as Jesus to dwell in. Can you imagine the excitement of Jesus 
when the Holy Spirit came into him and God was, oh, now at last, I've got somewhere that I can call home. I've got somewhere where I'm appreciated and loved and I can move through. I've found a dwelling place. And the Holy Spirit comes to you today and he says, I've found my dwelling place. Equally am I at home in your life as I am in as I are in the life of Jesus. I've found somewhere. I've found a home. I've found somewhere where I'm loved and nurtured and needed and expressed. I've found your heart. Do you hear me today? And he's at home there because why? Because the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And because you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you today. And all that needs to happen now is that we would recognize that we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, that he lives in us. He is in us. And he's just saying, would somebody please, please release me. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. And I sense the Holy Spirit saying, tell the people to release me to believe that they carry the tangible presence. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus showed Peter, James, and John. He showed your spirit, your soul, your body. He showed the body of Christ. This is who you are. I'm leading you up to a high mountain. I don't want you down in the, in the valley struggling and striving in your flesh, trying to shift and change people. But I want you to operate out of a, the realm of the spirit. Like Paul did on the third level, there was so much revelation and glory. That's the place that God wants you to operate out of, knowing that you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to come alongside the Holy Spirit. And in two weeks' time, I'm going to talk to you about the power of praying in the Holy Ghost. And as we do that, we become more and more and more aware of who it is that is inside us. It is the gateway to the life of the supernatural, is praying in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you what, I felt God saying, I'm almost stepping into two weeks' time. But he said this, the church has spent more time articulating with their mouth their soul than they have articulating with their mouth their spirit. And when there's a change, when more words come out of your mouth that articulate your spirit than come out of your soul, then the church will arise and know its true power. Then you'll be able to release what's inside them. Because the default position is to articulate what we know in our mind, our emotions and our will. We keep verbalizing our opinions day after day. And the Holy Spirit is saying, would someone please let me out? Would someone please dispense who I am inside. He's locked up inside in prison in the body of Christ. And Jesus, in the Mount Transfiguration, releases the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? So church, my job is to prod you, poke you, teach you, but I can't live your life for you. Your job is to go home and say, the church, which is the body of Christ, you are in me, spirit, soul, and body. I recognize you and I release you today in my own life. Bring alignment. I am over my soul being out of order. Receive now, soul, the tangible presence of God. Body, come into alignment. What comes out of my mouth and in my mouth will come into alignment with the purposes of God. 
Spirit, take control. Take control. Your greatest moments will be when your spirit assumes rightful control over your life. I have heard my spirit speak words that never came out of my soul. They are profound. They are otherworldly. They, they bring solutions that I had no knowledge of. And my friend, this is the finest hour of the church. God's stirring up our heart. And remember, when you feel hunger pains, it's because God's got his holy shovel and he's digging a hole in your life. He's digging a hole. And every time you express your hunger, a deeper hole comes so the presence of God could come and fill and fill. For blessed are those that hunger, for they shall be filled. You just got to go up the mountain. The calling is to come up with me. Leave that behind. You've been there for six days. Come up and let me show you things to come. Let me show you what's inside you. My daughter had, and I'm going to finish with this little illustration. She had this little puzzle thing, I don't know what you call it, on Instagram, for those that know what Instagram are. And uh, it had something that's going around the internet. Most of you would have seen it. And uh, it's this little illustration that essentially, if you have a letter, a word, and the, you have the right letter at the start and the right letter at the back, you can jumble up all the inside and the human mind can interpret that. Now, it's not foolproof, but essentially that it can take the first and it, and it, and it pulls the rest together. So there's little sentences that you can write out and people can sit back and read it because as long as you've got the first and the last, you can make sense of the middle. And I read that and I felt the Holy Spirit say, tell the church that I am the Alpha and the Omega, that I have called them by name. You have a holy calling. You've got that. And in the middle, there's a whole lot of mess and you don't understand where you're going, what, what life's all about. But if they know that I have called them by name. And if they know their end destiny, if they can read those two things, the rest will come into alignment and make sense. And here's the finish of your life. It's the transfiguration. It is you, perfected spirit, soul, and body, full of the glory, spirit, soul, and body. And what you need to do to bring the rest of life into alignment is to begin to picture in your private time, the church which is his body, filled with the fullness of God. I picture myself full, my spirit full of the glory of God, my soul in perfect alignment with the will of the Father, coming under submission, my body in alignment with my spirit and soul, pulsating that when I touch people, the presence of God. So it was said of John G. Lake, that when people even came near him, when he would welcome people at the door, they would fall down under the power of God. They couldn't come into his perimeter. Peter would walk down the road and his shadow would heal the sick. What was that about? Filled with the fullness of God, spirit, soul, and body. So you begin to imagine that. You lay in bed at night and you see yourself full. If you can see the beginning and the end, everything else comes into clear picture. That's who you're created to be. So why don't you raise your hands as we finish today?
Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just, by your spirit, deposit a fresh hunger in the hearts of your people for the full manifestation of your spirit in our lives, spirit, soul, and body. I break this spirit that is so prevalent in this age of unbelief, those sitting on the edge that are about to fall out the window because they've embraced false doctrines. It's insidious and it's crept up in your life of doubt, unbelief, disappointment, confusion, demonic questions that have come and plagued your heart. I break that in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, the hunger in our hearts for your Holy Spirit would consume all those demonic doctrines, all those lies, all the doubt and unbelief. Consume it now, Father. May the hunger that we have for you be greater than all the questions, all the uncertainties, all the confusion, all the past. Consume that in the brightness of the hunger that we have for you. I ask in Jesus' name. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to every person your tangible presence in their spirit, their soul, and their body. For those that need healing in their body, I release the healing power and the substance of Jesus to your body. Wherever it is that you need a miracle, lay your hand on that place now. And we agree together, Father, let the tangible presence of the Holy Ghost come and heal that body part. Come and deliver those, Lord, that are that are oppressed of the enemy, that are bound by addictions. We break that addiction in the name of Jesus. We break it in the name of Jesus. Every addictive behavior, I break in Jesus' name and I set your people free. Father, release the presence of Jesus in this place. Lord, over every soul, every damaged soul, I release the presence of Jesus. Father, do a work that only you can do. For it's not by our might or our power, but it's by your spirit. I release the tangible presence of Jesus. May your joy be our strength. You said you give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning. Father, I thank you for beauty instead of ashes, Lord. We thank you for the tangible presence. Lord, those that have been mourning and in sorrow for so many years, Lord, I ask that your presence would come and set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you just receive his presence right now? Receive the life of Jesus. Reach out in faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lama kayama titikiya baba baba. Lama stukunarama kasi titikiya baba. I break apathy, Lord. I break spiritual apathy. I break it over people's lives, Lord, that would cause them to retract. Cause them, Lord God, to embrace a religious doctrine and not the life and the nature of Jesus. 
I break that foul spirit that would set up a shadow that appears to be right, that appears to be the same thing, but it's as far as the east is from the west. It is as different as night and day. I break that religious spirit and I say, Lord, let your people come and experience the life and the love and the presence of Jesus in all your fullness, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, release your presence upon us, Lord. And we ask this week, Lord, like Peter and John, Lord, silver and gold we may not have. We may not have anything to change your situation in the natural, but what we do have is the presence of Jesus. And Father, I pray for a holy boldness upon each and every one of us, myself, every member of this congregation, that we would be aware that we are carriers of the presence of Jesus. You qualify. You qualify. You qualify because the church is His body. And you're in Christ, so you qualify. And the enemy's been saying, wait until you get everything perfect. But you know, the key to greater levels of manifestation is to use what you have. When the widow used what she had, there was an overflow. When the disciples brought the loaves and the fishes and used what they had, there was an overflow. There was an overflow, an overflow. And that's why it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because it's in the giving that the overflow happens. And the enemy's been saying to people, wait till you get it right. Call somebody else, but God's saying, I want to use you. I've called you. Use what you have. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have. And I'm here to tell you, you do have the presence of the mighty God inside you. Use what you have. Step out in faith. Thank you.